Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there, this is part two of a talk called A Spiritual Oil Filter. So there are two main ideas in this. The one is the oil. You know, in a car engine, the oil keeps everything running smoothly. There are so many moving parts in an engine, uh, metal parts mainly, and they would grind against each other and cause damage and friction. And eventually the engine would seize and stop moving if there wasn't some oil to keep it flowing smoothly. And that's the oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of unity. Uh, the Bible talks about the peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that's the oil aspect. The second is this filter idea. And that is that in an engine, when there are metal parts grinding or hitting against one another, even though there is oil, little parts come off and you need a filter, an oil filter, to stop those parts circulating and accumulating and causing the engine to seize. And this is the big idea. In Christian relationships, Number one, Jesus said it is impossible for there to be no offenses. And those are those times when metal grinds against metal. You know, we are working together in churches and families, in whatever uh, aspect of life we're working as Christians. And we need the oil, which is this love and this goodwill and this help from God and this peace to, to help things flow smoothly. But there are times, even with that, Jesus said it is impossible for there to be no offenses. And so we know that offenses will happen. So what is the oil? The oil is the goodwill. What are the offenses or the impurities that the filter has to remove? They are times when we've brushed up against somebody else. And it could be on a sliding scale from very minor to very extreme. The very minor things could be I just don't like the way you talk or act or look or, or respond. Or slightly more serious, I don't like the decisions you make. Slightly more serious, I feel like you are treating me or somebody else badly. Even more serious, I think you are sinning. You are breaking God's commands and rules of life. And so there is this, this sliding scale and Jesus said it will happen. It will happen. It doesn't matter how much oil there is. It doesn't matter how much goodwill there is. It's not somebody else's problem and somebody else will have offense. Every single one of us. Jesus said it is impossible for there to be no offenses. So in an engine, in a car, we have what's called an oil filter. And the oil filter is there to strain out these impurities and these little pieces of metal and dirt that happen because of things grinding against each other. In the body of Christ, there is a six part oil filter that God has given us. He said there will definitely be offenses. You, you will always have this and you're supposed to really work for unity and love. Therefore, I am giving you an oil filter, a system of working through offenses. Now, the reason I'm doing this uh, over two weeks is because a, it is super important. You know, Jesus in his last prayer in John 17 prayed for us, the Christians, to have unity, to have love. 
He said that others will know we are his followers by our love. He said that when we have unity, his glory will be seen and the world will know about him. Unity is so, so, so important. There are so many verses about the power of unity. If two or three agree concerning anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Unity is this amazing thing which just releases God's blessing and life and power and goodness. And yet we know that offenses will come. So we can't ignore the six part oil filter. We have to know about it. And I promise you, you will have to use it. So I'm going to go through the six parts again this week, but I'm going to expand on them. I mentioned them last week, but I'm going to go through them again. Let me just list them for you. Number one is love. This is really the oil. This is a commitment to having this oil. In Ephesians 4 verse 2 and 3, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Let me just warn you, I'm going to be reading some verses that are going to press on areas of your life that may feel uncomfortable. The right response is not to get offended with me because this is God's word, but to say, God, you point something out so that you can help me heal it. And God will be pointing things out to you. And the right response is to say, yes, God, that's me. I need your help. Please forgive me. And I'm going to try with your power to change. So Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So this first one is love, which basically means, Lord, give us your oil, give us your unity, give us your gentleness, your tender heartedness. The Bible talks about preferring one another. The Bible talks about only saying things that are helpful to other people uh, to impart grace as opposed to being selfish and being hurtful with our words or wanting to get our own way or demanding our own rights or trying to find fault in other people. All these different things. Love is the first part of this oil filter, which basically says you need oil. You need the love and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Bible says, do everything without complaining or grumbling. So this is the first part, which is not a small matter to try and have this love and this goodwill and this humility and gentleness, tender heartedness, uh, kindness, forgiving one another. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Love is the oil. That's number one. Number two is leaders. And this speaks to the fact that unity is hugely helped if there is a good godly leadership. You know, again and again in the Old Testament, there were times where there was no good leadership and things just turned to chaos, evil reigned. When there is no good leadership, uh, instituting God's will and, and treating people well and fairly with love and care, but leading well, uh, when there is none of that, then people rise up and it becomes a bit of a mafia situation where the strongest or the most manipulative or the one with the biggest faction can win and get their way. And we need a good leadership structure. So number one is love. Number two is a leadership structure that is that is good. And that everybody has bought into and everybody says we 
know we need leaders. They may, may not be better than anyone else, but we need somebody to say, I'm accountable for this and I am going to get involved if we need to sort things out. So love and leaders, LL, love and leaders are the first two. Number three is sins and number four is secondhand offenses. So sins is talking about when somebody sins. You know, I spoke about the different grades or the, the, the kind of spectrum of offenses. And the first few are just preferences or things that rub me up the wrong way or maybe are different judgment calls or opinions. In Romans chapter 14, Paul devotes a whole chapter to this idea of unity. And he says, don't argue about disputable matters. What he's saying is there are some things that are black and white, core, essential items of the gospel that we cannot compromise. Those are, those are the black and whites, uh, non-negotiables. But then he said there are disputable matters. And you may be surprised to hear what they were. Some people felt that honoring God, they had to eat certain things and avoid other things. And others felt differently. He said, that's a disputable matter. You don't get offended with people over that. Some people said the Sabbath or the day we meet is a certain day or a certain time. And others said it doesn't matter. He said, that's a disputable matter. Don't get offended. Don't separate over that. Honor one another, prefer one another, help one another, but don't insist on your way over somebody else's. The other one was feasts and, and when people met and how they celebrated their, their worship to the Lord and some kept the Old Testament feasts and some didn't. And he said, it's, that's a disputable matter. It's not worth digging your heels in and saying, I insist you are bad, you are different. He said, that's a disputable matter. And the gist of that whole chapter is promote unity, prefer the other, love the other. If it offends somebody else, then subjugate your own rights. Don't insist on your own rights, subjugate your own rights for others. So sins are those things where it is a black and white and everything else is a judgment call. And so the third part of the oil filter is how do we deal with sins? And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Love, leaders, sins. Fourth one is secondhand offenses. And this speaks of when we get offended on behalf of somebody else. The Bible talks in Hebrews 12, 15 about a root of bitterness that spreads and defiles many people. And the idea behind it is that somebody, you know, a root is below the surface. Somebody is offended and bitter. And what happens is these little runner roots start spreading and all the other plants in the garden start get aff getting affected by this bitterness. It becomes a culture of criticism, of factions, of blame, of insisting on your own rights, of being offended at somebody else. But all those other people, other than the one with the original root, everybody else is having second-hand offense. They're offended for somebody else. And so the fourth part of the oil filter is how to deal with second-hand offense. Very, very important. The fifth part of the oil filter is seek support. So we've got love, leaders, sins, second-hand offense. Number five is seeking support. There is a time when we have gone through all the different things where we have to involve or in, invite another person to help us, but it has to be the right person done in the right way with the right motives under the correct framework 
And that can help to bring about unity where we ask somebody else to help and be a, a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So that, that's number five is getting help from others. And then number six is a one that has surprised many people, and that is to separate. You know, some people think that it's better to stay together even if we can't agree. But Amos 3 says, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? And what has happened in many, many churches, families, organizations is that they've bypassed all the first five parts of the filter and they've gone straight to separating or running away. That's the one extreme where people say, I'm checking out of here. I'm not even going to try and work on it. Even though there are five steps that are extremely powerful and helpful, some people just separate immediately. They run away and that is not God's will. But the other wrong response is some people say, I'm staying even though I disagree. I don't like this person. I don't like that leader. I don't like this belief that they preach. I, I'm distrustful of that decision they've made and the motives behind it, but I'm staying at whatever cost. And you'll be surprised to hear that the Bible says that is not the right response. If you've gone through steps one to five and you haven't managed to resolve this issue, the Bible says, please hear me, it is better to separate amicably, if possible, but to do things in two different groups. 1 Corinthians 11, there's a little verse that many people have not even read, verse 19. It says, there must be factions among you so that you will know which ones have the Lord's blessing. And it is right at times for us to say, you know what, it's not productive for us to keep fighting. Let's make two engines and let's do God's will together. Paul and Barnabas separated in Acts chapter 15 over a disagreement about another person, John Mark, and yet they honored each other, they loved each other, and they, they worked to working together and, and being together as much as they could, but they said it's better for us to do things separately. So these are the steps of the six-part oil filter, and I want to say to you, if we as Christians would implement this in our churches, in our families, in our organizations, in, in our personal lives, we would see unity. We would see a release of oil because the oil in the engine, in the body of Christ, flows out. It seeps out. The Bible talks about us being the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And when there is unity and oil and love and peace on the inside, it starts to flow out and people on the outside are hugely affected. So let me just go through these one more time. Uh, I've spoken of love. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. That fervent means there's an action involved. I choose it. I, I'm passionate about it. I'm working hard towards it. Um, Ephesians 4, 29 and 32 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So can I challenge you and ask you, my dear friend, have you committed to having this oil? Have you committed to making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? Right now, just ask God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I haven't. I'm sorry I've been a 
a friction maker instead of a, a peacemaker, instead of somebody who smooths things out. Lord, please help me. Please help me to be more, more gracious, more kind, more forgiving, not to insist on my own way. Number two, leaders. They have a rule, a role, and it's important, but our role is to follow them. You know, it's, it's meaningless to have somebody who's called the leader if they can't make decisions. The reason we need a leader is because so many of us have different opinions, different ideas. We want to do things our own way. And the world has tried to come up with lots of ways of getting people to work together. But Jesus said, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And God's way is for there to be God at the head with a leader who is a godly leader, who is also accountable to outside people, but then for there to be uh, this idea of coming together behind the leader and saying, we're loyal, we support, we honor. Hebrews 13 says that we should submit and obey our leaders, not because they have the best ideas, but because someone has to lead for there to be unity. You know, submission is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength in that I subjugate my own rights. It's a sign of trust in God that he is leading us through that leader and he will sort that leader out if they need to be sorted out. But it's also something that just brings such a a great witness to those outside if we will submit, even though we may be stronger or have our own ideas. Submission is a beautiful thing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12 says, We ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who diligently labor among you and are in leadership over you in the Lord and give you instruction. You regard them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So that's leaders. We've got to say, I am going to support this leader. Now, if the leader has sinned or if they're teaching something that's not biblical, there are ways and we're going to get onto that in a moment. But we have to have this mindset and this attitude that we are going to submit. We're going to be loyal. We're going to speak well. Titus chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 speaks about uh, obeying and following leaders and not speaking badly about anyone. You know, even in the world, in just about every employment contract, if you are employed in a job, a dismissible offense is insubordination, uh, which means not doing, not honoring your leaders and not doing what they say, and bringing the organization into disrepute, which means speaking badly about people in the organization. If the world realizes that's important, why can't the church realize that? Number three is sins. Matthew 18, 15 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, Jesus didn't hate heathens and tax collectors. He just didn't treat them as his inner circle of trust. He spent time with them, but it was always to try and reach them rather than to trust them with his inner secrets. And it says that we should separate if we've gone through this process and it hasn't worked. But I want you to notice if your brother sins against you, it's not just a difference of opinion or preference. It's got to be a sin. It's got to be against you, not against somebody else. We don't invoke this if they've sinned against somebody else. And it says, go and tell him his fault 
between you and him alone. If I'm talking to anybody else about it, then I am sinning. Secondhand offense, where we get offended on behalf of somebody else. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A whisperer means you talk about other people's faults, sins, offenses, things they've done to other people. That's secondhand offense. Proverbs 17, 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Proverbs 26, he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. In other words, don't do that. It's not your job. It's not your fight. Proverbs 6, 16, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. What does that mean? I'm dividing people up by saying, have you heard what he did? Have you heard what she did? She doesn't like you. She said this about you. 1 Samuel 24, 9, David said to Saul, why do you pay attention when men say David is seeking to do you harm? And Psalm 101, verse 5, whoever privately slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Then number five in this six-step process is seeking support, getting help from others. Paul had a little group of fellow workers, he calls them, which is a very specific term. He identifies who his fellow workers are again and again in the Bible. He gives lists of names and he says, these are my fellow workers and there are no, no one other than these in your area that I've listed. And then he says in other places, you must submit to my fellow workers uh, because they represent me. But he had a problem in Philippians 4 where two of his fellow workers, a lady called Euodia and a lady called Syntyche, were not getting on. And he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So Paul gets involved. He says, please, ladies, get together. Then he says, I ask you, true companion or loyal yoke fellow, they yoke together. Paul is yoked together with this person, this yoke fellow, and with Euodia and Syntyche. He says, I entreat you to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written. In the book of life so we can involve other people but it's not for gossip it's not to get someone to agree with me and to bolster my side against somebody it's honestly to say what should I do please pray please tell me if I'm wrong let's try and resolve this and it's within this context of little teams of people who work well together and then lastly separating leaving well if necessary you know, this is a surprise to many people. Um, let me just give you a few examples. So the first is when they didn't separate. In Acts chapter 15, there was a big dispute. Paul and Barnabas and a few others said, we must preach grace and non-Jews do not need to get circumcised. They do not need to follow the Old Testament dietary requirements. They do not need to keep the feasts. And some of the other believers said they do. And it was such a strong dispute that they gathered together. And in Acts 15 and verse 7, it says, When there had been much dispute over several days and everybody giving their different opinions, 
eventually James, the leader of the church, stood up and said, this is what we're going to do. And I can promise you that not everyone agreed with what James said, but they all agreed to fall into line and go with what was said. So that's one example. The other one was um, in Philippians 1, where Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Verse 18, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Paul said there are some people who I know are preaching the gospel. Factually, it's correct, but I know that they are not doing it for the right reasons or they're doing it in a bad way. He doesn't stop them. He doesn't name them. He doesn't fight them. He says, I'm doing my thing. They're doing their thing. And I'm just glad that Christ is getting preached. He will sort them out. And so there's the separating but honoring. There's another place at the end of 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about Apollos and Timothy. And he says, Timothy is one of my fellow workers. And later he says, follow those and obey those who are my fellow workers. But he says, Apollos isn't. But in the rest of 1 Corinthians, he says, don't make factions, Paul's group and Apollos' group. He says, love us. We're just, we're just ministers. You don't have to be against each other. But let's be honest, he says, there are these differences between us. And then lastly, I just want to talk about David and his mighty men. David was in Saul's court. Saul was the king. David was the next king. Saul wasn't aware of that. And Saul was throwing spears at David. It says that David tried many times to stay with Saul, but eventually when he knew it was going to kill him, he separated. But this is the surprising thing. Number one, a group of men came to him in Adullam's cave, 400 people who were in distress, in debt and discontented. They all had an axe to grind and they were bitter against Saul, 400 men. Also, David was being attacked by Saul continually. Even though he was separated from Saul, Saul was just following him, trying to kill him. David never tried to kill Saul. He had many opportunities to do so. He never took them. He never spoke badly of Saul. He taught his 400 discontented and distressed men to honor Saul. And when Saul died, David was the leading one giving tributes to Saul and saying what a great man he was. David separated but he says, I'm not going to throw hand grenades as I leave. I'm not going to fight other Christians. And those mighty men became such great valiant warriors. You know, David killed one giant, Goliath. His mighty men killed five. They did much greater exploits than he ever did. They started as distressed and bitter people. And they ended up as a unified group who were doing great, great things for God. So Psalm 133 is David's summary of this gathering together in unity, not being bitter, not trying to damage or destroy others, but love and unity. Listen to what he says. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I've got this idea of 400 distressed, discontented people in a cave, but learning to love God and live in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, the oil of unity and, and God's power. Running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. So it runs down over the whole body. This oil just empowers the whole body. 
It is like the dew of Hermon descending on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Friends, God has commanded a blessing when we go through the six-step unity filter. Lord, help us, I pray. Help us to be unified, to honor and glorify you. And I pray that you would help us to forgive those who've hurt us and, and, and sinned against us, so that we ourselves may receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.